you All come right. through, fashionable African man. Let's go. All right. All right, everybody. This is the Ecom Podcast. Of course, I'm your host, Owen Osinde. And today we have a special guest, <laughs> my friend, <laughs> Tommy Bilei from... Uh, Say the company you're from? Uh, MFMG Cosmetics. FMG Cosmetics. And what is FMG Cosmetics? Do? MFMG Cosmetics stands mm-hmm. for Makeup for Melanie Girls. And we are a beauty brand that's tailored to multi-ethnic millennials. I have to say, you said my last name so well. It's been a long time. So I heard oh, someone you know? give the full like enunciation. It's very pleasant. We're from the same <laughs> continent. So for me, if I didn't pronounce your name right, it will be like an insult. So I had to come correct. Yeah, I appreciate that. It's but uh, yeah. I'm happy to have you here. You know, this has been something we've been planning for like a week and a half right now. And uh, I'm happy that you're here. And uh, we just want to learn more about your business, you know, how you started it. I know that the Econ Podcast, we focus on online businesses. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we're excited to like learn where you got your inspiration from to start your company and, uh, you know, where it's going, what it's about, you know, just the processes and everything. So, Take us to the beginning. How did you start FMG Cosmetics? Okay, so even though the brand has been live and our website has been live for a year, the story behind the brand has sort of been a journey in the making. Mm -hmm. So I used to model, actually. Um, When I first moved to Canada, uh, even though I went to school in New Brunswick, Mm I had always wanted to be in the modeling industry. So the way it happened for me was like the same day, like I was going to fly, move from Nigeria to Canada. I had also gotten um, entry into like a model model search competition. Mm -hmm. And it's something I really wanted to do. But of course, my African parents were like, uh, no, you're going to school, you're getting your degree, (laughs) stop that mess. So I still kind of had that bug with me in a sense of, oh, I still want to do this modeling thing. It's like something I had the opportunity to do while I was young. So I was still pursuing opportunities even while I was in school. And then I had this one particular incident when I got my first runway show. So it was pretty exciting because up until that, I was just kind of building my portfolio. And this was the first time with like a legit designer and I was going to do a walk. Like there was a full call sheet. It was really exciting for me. So I get there and during the hair and makeup process, I could tell the makeup artist like sees me and she's kind of like frozen. She's startled. She's startled. Startled is the the right word. She was startled. I don't know if like she didn't like check the call sheet before I arrived, but I was only the black, only black bottle on mm-hmm. like on the casting and she was just startled. And then she started scrambling, trying to find products. And in that moment, honestly, I just wanted to like disappear in the ground and just, which is difficult for me to do. As you can see, I have big hair right now. Yeah. I'm pretty tall. Like I just was just like, Oh my God, just stand out, just, and just stand out already. Yeah. And then now this person couldn't, I couldn't, I couldn't, I was trying to do my job and I couldn't be treated the same way as everyone else. It was kind of like, oh, what are we going to do? Like, what color is going to match? It was just this big brouhaha and all these antics just because I was trying to get the right makeup for for the runway. So that's really, I think, what got me into makeup. Because prior to that, I really was more of just like a lipstick slashes girls for the listeners that are not into makeup, meaning I was just doing the basics. I wasn't really in depth into it. But after that incident, my theory in my mind was, okay, 
let me find out how the professionals do it. So if I'm ever in that situation again, I can go and fix it Mm -hmm. and make sure I put my best face forward and have the confidence to do my job at the time. So that's when I delved into the world of like professional makeup. And I started to realize that there were all these women on YouTube um, with dark skin tones that were all exchanging information Mm -hmm. about this products that work so it was almost like kind of hacking the system, hacking the system. Yeah, yeah they were they were going okay these are the existing products for that are available in the market if i use this shade it would be a nude lipstick for me mm-hmm. a nude lipstick for those that are not really into beauty or makeup listening a nude lipstick is just when it's more used for women going to work or going to like, you know, a meeting It's when you're going for a more subtle look. Mm-hmm. So you're wearing makeup, but you don't really want it to be like, oh, it's you know, it's not yeah. like Fashion Nova Instagram party makeup. Mm-hmm. It's like going to work, going to a board meeting, trying to get a promotion kind of lipstick. So what people were trying to do was basically hack this system and say, oh, if you use this shade and this brand, this color, it's going to be a nude for you. There are very little options sort of like ready to go. There's a lot of... Yeah, the sound was just hitting the thing. There's a lot of... there's a lot of mixing going on. So I really kind of delved into this community, started learning more, buying different products, testing products. Mm-hmm. And that's when my own interest in makeup went beyond the cursory level. Mm-hmm. And I started to get really more in depth. So that was like in 2000 and 2014 or a couple years around around then. So the pro- the brand hadn't even started. So this is just you learning more about this like, is just this, there's me, a problem yeah. happening and you haven't really seen the problem but you're feeling it as an individual you're like you know what this is something i want to get into and i know there's a group of people out there who are hacking the system but the idea for what you're doing right now wasn't no it wasn't wasn't formulated i just i became one of the hackers too Mm -hmm, right i was mm -hmm. getting information and curating that information for people and then and when I say curating, mostly in the beginning, I was just curating for myself. Like, yeah. okay, I'll use this product for this. This works here. And then Instagram really started to, so I think I got my years wrong. I think this was, um, yeah, it was 2014. That's right. Because that's when I, I, Instagram had already blown up for beauty tutorials. But that's mm-hmm. when I was just getting into Instagram because I was also be moving up in my, like, um, my career where I had less and less time to spend on watching like, Oh, a 10 minute to 15 minute Mm -hmm. YouTube video. Mm -hmm. So Instagram was very quick. It's like at that time it was even less. They didn't have the, 50 seconds. Yeah. It was like 30 seconds videos. 30 second videos. And then like a year or two ago, they put the one minute version. Yeah, exactly. exactly. So that worked for me then. Cause I was like now, or I transitioned from like being an undergrad to like a career woman. Mm -hmm. So I didn't have time to be like, watching a video for 20 plus minutes so instagram was great because it was quick so and i was on those platforms and i was starting to realize that you know what happened to that community that i had sort of discovered and the hackers there wasn't really a unified group on instagram or really anywhere that was like around this shared community around finding the products to work on darker skin tones Mm -hmm. so I decided to create an Instagram page, an Instagram hashtag called Makeup for Melanin Girls. And initially, I really thought it would be a few friends that would like it. Like, I would go to my cousin's. I was in my cousin's wedding, and I was like, hey, guys, telling the bridal party, like, hey, guys, follow my account. Mm -hmm. It was just this fun thing I was doing. And then um, it really started to get a lot of traction very quickly. I got, like, um, um, 2,000 followers within about... 
few weeks of starting it. Two weeks. Yeah. And then that was not when things got crazy. Things got crazy when I started featuring makeup artists. So now if you tie the connection back to that runway show that I had, right? Mm. It was this interaction with a makeup artist that wasn't prepared and in your words was startled when yeah. they saw me. Can you imagine how <laughs> yeah, that feels? It was like, oh my God, I'm never it's kinda like for me, like when I go like I remember one time I went to get a haircut for prom. And, uh, of course, I always go to a black barber, but at this time, I went to a guy who was not black. And when I walked in, he's just like, whoa, like, I've never dealt with this kind of hair before. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like this obvious trepidation, and you're like, like am I the one causing like, this problem? I know. It's like, I know this is my field, but, like, I've never ventured out to that end of right. the spectrum, you know? Yeah. And how did it make you feel in that moment? I mean, to be honest, that was, like, one of, like, that experience alone, um, there's a long story behind it. But I remember my friend... He got a fade from this guy, and then I went to see him, and I think he messed up my hair, and he was trying to do uh, damage control, but he just made it even worse. Oh, no. So I ended up with the worst haircut. I come back home. I walk in the house. Uh, my mom opens the door. My sisters are, lo- are looking at me like, oh, and like, what the hell is wrong with you? What happened to you? <laughs> <laughs> and that's the thing with personal care and grooming. Yeah. That's why it's called personal. personal it's care. so tied to like your identity and yeah. the way you look. And like, it is a sign of the care you take into kind of yourself. Mm-hmm. And then when someone kind of messes that up or is startled by you, it does feel like a personal affront. Like, what did I do, what did wrong? I do wrong? In that yeah. moment, I felt like, oh, I wish I just looked like the other model so mm-hmm. I wouldn't have this experience, yeah. which is a horrible thing for a young woman to be thinking, right? Mm-hmm. So I started so Look I started featuring page. makeup artists because mm-hmm. I had that experience with the makeup artist that wasn't quite um that wasn't quite prepared to work with me. So I started featuring makeup artists that did great work on darker skin tone women. And most of them were just makeup artists in their local communities. And that's when things really got crazy. Okay, so I would feature a makeup artist and then all their clients and their followers will come to my page and be like, yes, you know, this woman has been doing uh, my makeup for like 10 years or she did makeup for my wedding. She's awesome. She needs more recognition. No one ever gives her that. And then I just kept doing it over and over again because I I realized that people really wanted this content and I got 10,000 followers within the month yeah. and it just became this big community. We all started exchanging information. And once that started to happen, I started thinking of, uh, of creating a blog as well. Cause I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, Instagram is not even enough to kind of have the full fledged conversations yeah. we're having. Yeah. And for me to go into detail about all the different products. So then the blog was born to, and the followers increased about 20,000 at that point. This was like the second month in and the First, um, I still remember getting a thousand views on my first blog post and I was like, holy, <laughs> within an hour of posting the first wow. one. So I was like, oh, this is exciting. At the time, my boyfriend, who's fiance now, was kind of mm-hmm. like, what are you doing on Instagram? Like, yeah. I'm, you're always on your phone. You're like, what is going on? Hashtagging people <laughs> like, you're like, what are you doing? Yeah. Things got Siri, I think this is when he started to realize what I was doing was serious and very mm-hmm. important. And same for me mm-hmm. was when a New York Times reporter reached out to me about a story they were doing. Now, here I am, like, this is like a side thing I'm doing. I still have a full-time job. Like a fun project you're doing. I was like, this is a scam, yeah. and I'm not falling for the scam. Like, mm-hmm. the New York Times, you're sure, sure, okay. And then she messages again, kind of like, listen, I'm on a strict deadline. Can you give me a call on this number? 
So call her. It turns out she's doing, it's legit New York Times reporter. The story is still live. Um, she's doing um, a story about a model that was posted on a very popular um, cosmetics company's page. And the comments were just awful. People called her monkey lips, all kinds of derogatory names and racist remarks. Like the company had to scramble and sort of, I think at that time, Instagram actually didn't have the comments moderation thing. Mm. So I don't, but they didn't want to take the picture down, but I think they had to come out with a statement. It was just a whole big mess. So basically this reporter decided to do more of an in-depth story around, you know, diversity and beauty and sort of kind of asking the question, why would this happen? And what are the positives? Like what are people in the community doing to sort of on the opposite side of all this kind of trolling? And that's how she discovered me because I created this positive community that was essentially going viral Mm -hmm. with a lot of women rallying around the cause. And I'd actually made a post about this lips thing and I was encouraging people to feel beautiful about their lips so I was like I think I said love your big lips because that was the thing the, the model had bigger lips and people were just saying all kinds of it's things like, it's different from like the regular model with like thin lips because like right, the black right. Has, like, we'll have lips, fuller, fuller lips exactly. and so I did that movement and it just and she decided to feature us in the story and for me that was another I think there have been several pivotal moments throughout the course of this journey but that was another one where I was like whoa this is something important. It's not just me and some women on the internet. This can have a positive impact on someone's life. And it actually, it already was having a positive impact on their lives. But at that point, it's funny. The name of the platform was Speak Up for Melanin Girls. My customers were asking for a product. But for two years, I didn't make any product because really I was scared. I was just like, I'm not a beauty CEO. Like, I'm not. Where am I going to start? Where am I going to find you didn't makeup? Know where to go. I was just like, uh, it wasn't even not nowhere to go. I didn't even try because I was just kind of like, that's not me. This is more of a media company. Yeah. I, a media company, I know how to write, I know how to put content out. I'm already good at that. Where do I even start with trying to do makeup? Like, to me, it was just this bigger than life thing because my immediate thought was like that's only for like brands that are at Sephora or something Mm -hmm. like it's such a competitive space where would I even start so even though the platform's called Makeup for Melanin Girls I just was kind of focused on media initially Mm -hmm. combination of fear and combination of media was already sort of working because I had a team of about 12 to 15 remote writers and we were just putting out content daily and the content was doing well we were getting some ad dollars in and we were also having brands approach me to actually do advertising for them so essentially as an influencer Mm -hmm. so do a blog post and have it be a sponsored blog Mm -hmm. post and kind of feature their products so that was going okay until there was another pivotal moment in in my journey to fully launching the brand Mm -hmm. so i'd done a survey with about five thousand of our users and 80 percent of them had said they still struggle to find the best products for them which for me, it seemed um, it seemed crazy to me because I was like, oh, they're so. But every time, like, as even while I pitch these days, people are so quick to be like, oh, well, but there's already L'Oreal or there's already this big company. Yeah. Why do you think you can do it? So I was like, but there these women, five thousand of them I have across different um, countries in the world, like mostly North America in that survey, mm-hmm. uh, but and they all they're all within the same. Uh, kind of demographic age, like 18 to 34. And they're telling me that despite all the products out there, 
they still mm-hmm. want more mm-hmm. products. Product, yeah. And I realized what it is, is that it's not a frictionless experience for most. It's not a friction. It's, 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 a, it's not a frictionless experience in general, shopping for makeup, mm-hmm. especially online. But when you're darker, it's even more filled with, with friction. It's like two rust pipes going at each other because it's just sometimes even when brands do have the colors they don't advertise it as much it's this is what i always say when i'm like pitching our products it's very much like oh feel free to come feel free to browse but we might not have what you're looking for but come on in and if it doesn't work oh that's too bad it's just kind of weird like oh we have some products like yeah. why are you bit what are you bitching yeah. about i don't know if i can say bitching but yeah that's basically it. it's like oh we made something we made like something. leave us alone you know like I get off our backs I see, like, you know that company called bevel oh it's yeah i love Bevel. they sold to um pg, PG yeah like just like two months ago yeah but it's the same thing even for black men, like with shaving, because Gillette, Schick, all these companies would make these multi-blade razors. Yeah. And then, you know, like when a black guy, you're shaving, Bumps. you get... Yeah, you're bump-free right now, just yeah, in case people are wondering. It's, 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 it's the bevel. It's the bevel. <laughs> I'm plugging in Tristan Walker right now. Bevel, go get your bevel kit. But he saw the same thing. He was like, you know what? I'm shopping for a shaving kit or even just grooming products for black men. And there's nothing. It's usually like at the bottom of, like, the ethnic right. aisle. It's, like, the box is dusty. There's, like, you see, like, this guy who looks like he took the picture back in the 80s. <laughs> it's not even updated. It's not, like... Yeah, so, people always say, oh, people have been making shades. Like, it, the products were there, mm-hmm. but just the the customer journey... The customer journey is just it's forgotten. It's awful. Yeah. That's the thing. The experience for mm-hmm. that particular customer is just kind of, like, well, we have something. Yeah. Like, hey, stop bitching around like we got a few things and mm-hmm. we will have a if we have 12 models we'll put one dark one at the end so just like so job we made is our done diversity quota i know we like hit that. our quota just oh you guys were just complaining plus we're making all this money so oh, who, right, cares? who cares we like, don't even buy good. anything we're oh good. whatever because what would happen companies will get kind of fresh because what would happen is when they did release shades mm-hmm. the shades weren't like flying off the shelves because yeah. the customer journey still today there are lots of companies improving now because the customer journey is so bad so then there's this sort of um uh myth so to speak it's almost like a cycle that oh it doesn't sell those colors don't sell when you haven't made the effort to one hire even women period but a lot of people that make decisions in the beauty industry are actually men Mm -hmm. uh revlon just hired their first uh female ceo and like and the company has been around since like 138 years just to give you a sense just to give you a sense of that's a whole other conversation so first of all let's even talk about there are a lot of women in the industry but when it comes to the c-suite and the decision making um um, people, very few of those are actually women. So, first of all, if we're talking about women in those dis- um, positions, then are there women of color in that process? Who's deciding, they're doing the research and development process? Who is part of the marketing team? All of those things leading up to the product and then the customer journey at the end point. Mm-hmm. And then people are always surprised, like, oh, these products don't sell. When the work hasn't been done to make sure that at every touch point that customer is feeling valued and feeling welcome and because the customer is being ignored for so long there's even more reason you know what i mean to do that even more so anyway i was still kind of like just fearful like oh the big guys have got to figure it out how would i do it so i did this survey and my customers are telling me loud and clear like i am still not happy and then i switched um 
from a very more of like a legacy hundred year old company to a startup environment. And I was working really crazy hours. Like I was flying. So my territory, I was in sales. My territory was in New York and BC, like the entire, entire both of both entirety of both states. And I was traveling pretty much consultant hours, like every week I'll be back on the weekend type of thing. So I was putting in a lot of hours there. So it was kind of starting to be like, okay, if I'm putting this much hours in something else, can I put this into my own thing and make that really work? So I was already thinking about that. And then tragedy struck. My Instagram page disappeared. What do you mean disappeared? Oh, it means I tried to log in one day. Just my usual little, huh, huh, let me check in in my community. (laughs) And it was like, couldn't be logged in, does not exist or something. I was like, uh, Is it like password? Is like, this I was like, okay, this is weird. Let me just reset my password. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, does not exist. And then I started getting messages on Twitter. Like, yo, I was trying to log, like check out your the Instagram page. Like, what just happened? Where's the page? So I am scrambling. Like, people are messaging me on Twitter. I'm, like, trying to figure out what's going on. I'm messaging Instagram support. And they're, first of all, like, okay, you've got to send proof that it's really you. Then I send the proof, and they're just like, oh, this this page violated community standards or something. So I didn't even have a lot of information about what was going on. It was a nightmare. I actually cried, like, straight up. It sounds silly now. I can't even imagine my mom's generation hearing about someone crying <laughs> over an Instagram, Instagram page. page yeah. But in that moment, I realized all the time, all the effort, all the emotional energy I'd poured into it's this page, thing, yeah. and it was gone. That was that coupled with the hours I was working at my job, those were sort of the two drivers that led me to really try and make this happen as a brand Mm -hmm. and in that moment i learned something really important that you have to own your brand um tobias lutke of uh, the ceo of shopify he had a really awesome tweet the other day where he was like the only thing you own is your email list and your website really like at the end of the day and it really died like that ties back to how i felt in that moment was just like oh my god i created poured poured energy even like affected my relationship because my fiance is kind of like this is what is going on here. Like you're just on your phone all the time. And I was like, all that kid was just gone. So even, even though that I was even more motivated to get my brand going because I wanted that physical entity to represent the, to the community. I wanted that physical entity for me to pour all that energy Mm -hmm. to, and it would be a lasting product and a lasting good yeah uh so i was i was just on it after the initial crying phase i was on i was a woman on a mission just like i started messaging everybody connected to instagram that i could find on linkedin started telling them my story being like you know i wasn't getting a lot of information from instagram about what happened just kind of took your page and i I started a new page and i just started like knocking down the doors people would be like sorry can't help you like i don't know what happened Mm -hmm. like the one thing that i would say facebook and instagram aren't great at is customer service like at the end of the day you're the product and then like after that's kind of like well we (laughs) we got our data we good (laughs) we got our data so whatever so uh eventually so what i started doing is i would get this like cryptic message from support that didn't really mean anything i started tracking the names of the people they don't put last names just put first name so i'll just go let's say the the first name was owen i'll put like owen instagram and browse on linkedin see if i could find Mm -hmm. the exact person that was dealing with my case Mm -hmm. then i found another woman of color and i was like okay 
this is a great person to talk to. And I told her my full story. I was like, listen, I had this blog for two years. I'm coming up with my first product. Like, this is going to be big for me in order to share this with all my followers. Mm. Can you help me? You know, what happened here? What's going on? And she's like, okay, I checked it out. I think there was like a violation on some music, a copyright thing. And that would have like flagged something on the page. Um, I'll help you get it back up. And it came back what? up. The same day I got it back up, I posted our new glitter palette that I just finally finished making. Within two weeks, the product was gone. And it was 40 USD a pop. They still are 40 USD a pop. And um, it was it was exciting. It was good. So how long ago was this? This was October 2017. Mm. So that's like now I'm a year and a bit. And how's the growth been? So like... Now you got your Instagram page back up. You got your first initial I got my product. first sales. You know, like, how's the progress from, like, October 17 to yeah. 2018? Like, building the brand, getting the product. Like, what's your product line? And what was, like, your strategy online on building, like, uh, you know, from being an Instagram page to actually being, like, a, a full brand. A full brand, So yeah. the next step, I would say the first couple of months were really just fighting to survive. Like, trying to make sure, like, customers were getting their product and make sure the customer experience side was great. And the second pivotal moment was, of course, quitting my job. Because I was still working full-time at the time and, yeah. like, running back and forth to get things done. So I actually joined an accelerator program called Founders Institute. And I think that helped me a lot as well. Because it was the first time I was around other full-time entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. And really trying to get a strategy around my brand and what I was doing you know trying to really put what does my brand story say kind of really it's kind of weird too when you're um an entrepreneur starting out and you have some traction doing all the brand persona work and some of that some people might be like I just want to make my sale I just want to get some Facebook ads up and just get going (laughs) just convert convert. like sales sales (laughs) sales but now, most especially after being a year in business, I'm now seeing the value of all those things that I set up and did. Like I did do all the full on business plan and um, we have a brand book as well and sort of developing our brand ethos of who is our brand. Like who if is- our brand were a girl, what is she like? What does she shop? How does she talk? Really taking the time to define that has been and that's constantly being tweaked over time. And in that moment, it kind of felt like, oh, it's busy work. I just want to be selling more shit, basically. But it's very, very valuable down the line as you because again, it keeps you centered. Yeah. Every time I want to do a new product or there's an exciting opportunity, I kind of have to go back to that initial work of does this align with the brand ethos? Does this align For with sure. what we represent and who we are? Like even though we already had a very strong mission statement, it was still important to define because there are other brands in my space as well. Yeah. So it's still important to define who we are and who our customer is as well. So the strategy for me was really more around is very community focused, but using a lot of content marketing to then drive mark um, traffic to yeah. the site. So we still, um, and that was something I even learned the hard way because initially I'd met with like a marketing expert that was like, oh, how can you have a separate platform that's taking traffic? So when I search for your site, you have like two different platforms. You have your e-commerce and this blog. blog. But I realized after a year of um, selling, like once that blog wasn't active, like literally my sales were cut in half 
you know, when the blog is active and we're putting mm-hmm. posts, like it does really well. So I had to kind of learn that the hard way, like literally losing money on it to realize the value of having that platform as well. Yeah. Because what I realized the content marketing did for us, first of all, the SEO on that site is great. And two, it provided sort of a separate, like a just an authority in general outside of the, it seems counterintuitive because in, on that blog, I'm not exclusively talking about my products. Mm-hmm. I'm just talking but in the, general. The community. The community is there. So you become like a thought leader. Yeah, thought like, leader. Exactly. And I'm providing lots of like pro- like solutions to problems. So yeah. for example, a lot of women with dark skin suffer from something called hyperpigmentation. Right now, I don't sell anything for hyperpigmentation. But on the blog, we have articles about, you know, what are the different steps in your regimen you need for that solution, which is not like buy my product, mm-hmm. but it ends up funneling people to our site Just all the saying, time like... because we're providing value. Oh my God, this is amazing because a lot of people, like when they, a lot of like the greatest companies I ever started, started from this same story. For example, I was, uh, who did this? I'm trying to think of someone who, so before my old company, uh, when I was building Deck, the founder of a company called StockX, he was just writing about sneakers every single day, like what the best sneakers are. Uh, He was like building a voice. He was building like content around what the best shoes to wear for certain occasions, what the value of the shoes is. Mm-hmm. So he's, he did this for four years. And then after he just came out, you know what, I'm going to go build a resale marketplace. So now he has a list of readers. And when he goes and pitches his ideas and he goes on Twitter to talk about it, like, you know what, Josh has been doing this for four years. For free. For free. And he just gets people coming into his platform because it just leads to him. So kudos on you for doing that. What yeah. I want to ask you is, how did you go about making your product and sourcing it? Because initially, like, you know, you quit your job. So the Founder Institute helped you build the product. Were you making enough sales to, like, quit your job? Or were you just, you know what, I'm going to quit this job? And mm. how's that transition like from going from? Working? It was definitely very scary. I think in, in hindsight, it's kind of like, oh, yeah, I quit my job. Like, mm. in the moment, I was, like, having panic attacks. And, like, not being able to sleep. Mm-hmm. Like, I had a really great December. So it was kind of like, but it was that fear of, would this be consistent in the next of the month? So I had some sales, but I didn't have, like, a track record of, like, oh, I've been selling this for mm. six months. At that point, it was Q4. Q4 is the biggest in the beauty industry. So there was a chance that come January, I wouldn't find, see the sale exactly, numbers. Yeah. But I was kind of like, at this point, with the number of hours I was working and the kind of work environment it was, I was, I was just like, it's all or nothing. I just have to go in going on this at this point like it just felt there was a fork in the road and it just felt like it was time to make a decision and you know the whole new year thing has an impact too by december i spent a year at the job i always even this past year of running my business i always reflect on what the next year is and what have i accomplished in the previous year so the combination of all those things plus i quit my job at mlk day just because i'm a real one like that (laughs) and some trick that i used to do actually is literally just go so there's things in the industry called trade shows like Mm -hmm. most other industries have trade shows but at that time i couldn't afford to do a lot of traveling so i would go to a past trade show look at the companies that demoed and i'll just email them like oh like i saw you at the (laughs) 
everybody. You were at the Korea or like trade show. Like mm-hmm. this is my company. Like we should talk. So I was kind of hacking it that way. And I mean, of course, with manufacturing and supply chain, especially where you do an international supply chain, there have been mistakes that have been made. Like mm-hmm. I worked with it because again, with the kind of business I have, I outsourced quite a bit just because there's there was only me for so long. Mm-hmm. So it's so vital and important for your vendors and your suppliers to be on their A game. Like you mm-hmm. have to have uh, a, a players all around you because if one person is like a kink in the chain, it can mm-hmm. like affect everything else. So the initial was just straight up Google, like looking for people that would work with me. In the beauty industry, the standard typically for minimum order quantities is like 5,000 to 10,000. So there were a lot of unresponded, like <laughs> emails not responded, calls just being like, yep. 10,000 minimum order for one. And that is usually for one shade. So if you're trying to do four lipsticks, you're going to have to get 40,000 skews going. And so that's where I think my sales background kicked in. Because I was just like, oh, you you don't do it. The next person maybe mm-hmm. will. I just kept going, calling the next person, the email the next person, message the next person. Lots of people hung up. And then I found someone willing. And I did drum up the Instagram following a lot as a way to get people to see the value in what I was doing. And I still do that today. I talk about some of the PR buzz that we got and I try and show them like it is worth taking a bet on me. I was able to find someone willing to do the smaller quantities and it was off. it's been off to the races from there. I mean, I still tweak to my, I even just got off the phone with the manufacturer today. I still try to find like, um, the best partnerships and relationships for my business. And right now I'm actually doing a lot of trying to keep most of my vendors and suppliers in Canada. So I have a little bit more control in the process. And because we're a year in, a lot of those people that wouldn't take my calls before are a little bit more willing now that I've proven myself. Yeah, I have PR buzz on like international platforms and local platforms as well. So it's a little easier for them. So again, when someone doesn't take your call or the sale doesn't happen the first time don't get too upset or like burn the bridge or so because you could work with them next time exactly. they just don't know they don't just they don't know it they yet they don't know who you are yet <laughs> they don't know it yet but they don't know where you're going yet so you just keep going to that vision that you have and you'll be like you know what i'll get you the next time mm-hmm. yeah and like so far like with your growth i know we've been speaking about here at the zone but um, a lot of your customers, like, are they coming back? Like, what's your customer? Yes. Like, are they buying more? Are they referring people? Like, how's the growth yeah. been for the customers, like, month to month? Yeah. So our customer retention rate for September and is 21%, which mm-hmm. is pretty good. The challenge we're having is, I'm, of course, bootstrapping, like, a beauty business. Company, exactly. So that is difficult. Like, I legit had, I've met, and that's another thing, I try to meet with a lot of smart people in the industry and connect with people. I've met some um, with a company that they've sold four brands to different conglomerates and you basically told me like you need like three million dollars like what are you doing and to be honest those kind of statements just make me keep pushing because i'm like well there's this other brand i've seen that did a bootstrapping right so the challenge with our with for our customers is they do come back but a lot of times our limitation our product selection is very small so the goal now is to try and expand that a bit and again that has come with more the partnerships with the manufacturers so people that are willing to take a bet on me to do smaller runs of things that's very helpful in the process and that's what we're doing a lot this year is so that those customers coming back actually have new things to buy and they can essentially shop for their full face on our site have you thought about doing like a Kickstarter for 
I, it's come up, but I feel like I would want to do it for like a very specific product in yeah, our offering. I think what yeah. you gotta do is like I think you have like the perfect brand foundation for yeah a creative project. You can you have a problem which is affecting yeah. you know black women specifically. Yeah. Using a platform like that, you get all the funding you need to make it. You can have like a decent profit margin, mm-hmm. but you can bring a new wave of customers onto your platform. Absolutely. It's something we'll definitely think about for mm-hmm. like later this year. My goal this year has just really been very revenue focused. And I'm very glad I have a very clear simple goal for myself this year because last year first year in business I was pulled around in so many different directions and once you get any bit of traction here's the part I feel like there's a lot of material and content out there that prepares people for failure but very little prepares you for success the reality is people are going to be trying to get you booked for a podcast (laughs) (laughs) like me right now not just you but like (laughs) Even just a little bit of traction I've had with like some PR buzz, it's like, oh, speaking engagement here. Oh, we're having this yeah. event there. Oh, fireside chat. Oh, this uh, you know, do you want to come to this event? Ooh, we're having this uh, networking thing. You become like Gary V, just like yeah. yeah. And then I'm just even thinking, there's obviously a next level to this when my brand even goes bigger yeah. and my personal brand gets better. So I've started to learn how to to say no and just really prior, and I'm still working on that. Prioritize my time and get the flip off my phone like these days i do the whole ariana Huffington thing where i actually take my phone and like a little baby and i just place it outside like by my door really? so like by like 10 p.m my phone is at the door and it's sort of like it's it's a segment i'm trying to segment my personal life for my business a little bit more which i think is so important when you are bootstrapping and you're like a solopreneur and or even if you have a uh, uh, you're just starting out because your life is your business yeah. and you have to start introducing some ways to segment and simplify yeah. some of the tasks you have to do. So for me this year, the focus has been like, I have a specific revenue target and I need to hit that. And it's helped me so much because I'm, it's so easy to say, I'm like, okay, someone asked us, can we sponsor the event? It's like, Oh, that's not going to help to the revenue go this year. So, so I know can do it. Mm-hmm. It's just helped a lot to sort of uh, simplify the decision-making process. And how's been like your growth so far? I saw you have one new uh, employee on your team. Yeah, we did. I'm like employee. I could say team member. Yeah, team member. I prefer saying team member. Team member. I saw someone the other day on LinkedIn and they said my staff, and I just felt so. (laughs) It's so crazy. I was like, oh Oh. god, you would think as a millennial, you wouldn't be like my staff staff. member. I was like, oh, I say team members too. Actually, when I used to work, I used to work. I should say a little bit about my background. Yeah, what's because I think I'm old school. I still think it is important to work in a corporate environment mm-hmm. just to get a sense of how things at that level operate mm-hmm. and the processes they have in place. So my initial first job out of undergrad was I worked at Target and I opened a number of their stores. So when Target came to Canada, that we all know now, that was a failed project. But I opened uh, the two of their stores in the East Coast and I hired like 200 plus people and set up the store from scratch like that was very valuable knowledge for me because one thing about target is they have very very good best practices and find a good way to like um make sure those best practices go from the headquarter level 
down to the team member that's at the cashier. And it was very, very regimented. So that was really good for me because I was literally building a culture and a team and a store from scratch. And then after that, I worked in the publishing industry in sales. Again, great experience because that is giving me a lot. A lot of people always ask me, like, who's your PR agency? I'm like, uh, me. Because <laughs> I'm now a lot more comfortable with, I mean, it's still hard. It's still kind of like, oh, that sucks. Especially when in these days you have a lot of people being like, women, entrepreneurship, empowerment. And then like you send through an email and it's still kind of like crickets. Um, <laughs> rejection still hurts, period. But at least that sales mentality has definitely helped me in my business. So um, in terms of growth, um, we are we had um, a good year last year, but the goal this year is really a million or bust. That's kind of where I'm at right now. So because I really got to drive to me, my mind is I got to really drive this thing to the next level. Yeah, that's well, where I'm at. What are you doing to get to that next level? So we are leveraging. So in terms of traction channels, we're leveraging more paid. So all our results from last year were all based on um, pure organic traffic. Yeah. So we're leveraging more paid advertising. We've partnered, like having, and also me kind of offloading some of all the tasks I was doing myself. So we're leveraging that. We're um, we have a more streamlined influencer marketing program. Where we can actually track all the links and see how many people each influencer is bringing to the site. And we're doing a lot more third-party distribution, which means partnering with stores and doing a lot more pop-ups and trade shows. So we have two big trade shows we're going to this year. So I'm going to Essence Fest and I'm going to another one called Founder Made in New York. So those are the big things we have. And also just doing outreach with that existing stores to do pop-up experiences within those stores so trying to get more into the offline environment as well and are you still doing like the content that really brought you your initial wave of customers that's a really good question so now we're after a year and we realized some of the mistakes like when we went away from focusing on that content it actually hurt us a little in the sales process uh, in the sales later on so we're back on the content uh and doing that piece and i'm actually really excited to do it because it's it's fun work and we're gonna get back some of the old writers to the the one thing we are going to do is just change the name of that site and have it still related to our existing website, but just change it and have it be an entity that exists on its own. And I know like there's been a lot more focus on creating products for people of color, like as we said, Bevel. Yeah. Uh, they're building like they're making form, you know, they got for the beauty, sh- yeah, they got beauty. the hair, yeah. And uh, Rihanna coming out with like She's Fenty. Fenty for a while, yeah. So like now that like, you're getting a lot more you know, there's a lot more focus on this market. People are saying, you know what? There's actually the black dollar is actually huge. Mm-hmm. I heard it was like a 500 trillion, I, I believe. It depends what like segment you're looking at, mm-hmm. whether you're looking at, well, black women do spend twice as much as uh, other ethnicities. Yeah. And out of the 73 billion spent on ethnic hair beauty aids, African-Americans as a whole were responsible for 53 mm-hmm billion of that so and that's just like ethnic hair will first to like hair care products and all of that targeted to multicultural yeah. audiences so how's like do you feel like there's a lot more brands coming out oh there definitely are community and how are you responding to that I definitely are but it's like I said earlier if I had thought I think there is there's something people say that it's almost beneficial to be naive when you first start your business because if you realize the magnitude of what you're trying to do you're probably never going to start so I think about competition but really I'm just focused on growing my brand at this point like I kind of get a sense I tend to look at other 
um, brands in other verticals. Like I really love brands like RX Bar or even BarkBox or the Caspers or Everleys of the world. Actually, not even Casper, Endy. Endy is a Canadian success story. They just sold out. Silly country Canada. And it's interesting because, because, um, Casper is a bigger company, mm-hmm. but they have sort of got India's gotten sort of their exit already because they were very focused on Canada and that was their niche and they stuck to it, right? If they had looked at, oh, you know, Casper's so big and you have Tufts and Needle and all these guys, they probably never would have started. Mm-hmm. So that's the same thing for me is I look at companies in other verticals and I'm trying to improve my brand. And yeah, well, I think it's a good thing for there to be multicultural beauty. That's why it comes back to the work around doing, making sure you have a very clear brand story and an ethos and who your customer is because then you not get swayed by what other brands are kind of doing like if you feel know that you're satisfying a a need and you're providing value Mm -hmm. that is why people are gonna purchase from your brand i know uh you you don't have a lot of time left about five minutes left (laughs) uh just one more question is like what are some of the challenges that you see that you've had so far Ooh. And, uh, <laughs> that you're, like you're working to overcome that you think, you know what, this is challenging. Is it the bootstrapping? Is it, uh, you know, talk about that a yeah. little bit because so, business is the first one, let's talk about more uh, like my personal, personal life and mm-hmm. self-care as you will is literally just trying to like get enough sleep and working mm-hmm. late till three. I still did that. Like I still do it. I still did that. Like you, yesterday like I was up till four just because I had different things and I was up already by like eight to get other things going so there's that part where in your mind you're like but I have to work I have to work but literally you are probably a better CEO when your mind is alert and you're taking care of yourself like there's this I think Tony Robbins the one that says this like if you don't have 30 minutes to exercise do you really even have a life you know what I mean you're hustling you're hustling you don't have 30 minutes to give back to yourself so it's always a challenge to make sure I'm putting exercise in trying to make sure I'm eating well and just taking care of my my body because especially because I'm such a huge part of my brand I need to take care of myself as well um so that part has been challenging what I try to do is like I was telling you about segmentation try and put put the laptop is not coming into the bedroom you know the phone is going to stay by the end of the night it's kind of like bye-bye phone and this is now sleep time so trying to create more segmentation in my life the other one has been um of course delegating um with our paid new paid channel that we're leveraging I'm actually working with an old friend of mine that I worked with at one of my previous jobs and they have a team that we're like partnering with and executing things on um collaborating as well too with um our manufacturers in a deeper sense, um, that's been very helpful just to delegate certain things. And the other part that's difficult, of course, bootstrapping is hard, like period. Bootstrapping is not a walk in the park, but also looking at just having a positive mindset on things. The flip side of bootstrapping is it get you have to be creative to survive mm-hmm. in bootstrapping. You have to hustle. You have to, you like, have to be creative. So to... the constraints, it puts constraints on your business that make you think differently. Yeah. So like even some of the pitch competitions that I've applied to and people I've met, again, comes back to like that partnership, collaboration piece has all been through, oh, I'm pitching from this pitch competition because I needed money to do this and that. So I'm really, uh, I hope that answers your question in terms of person i feel like a lot of your hurdles are more of just like you yourself because i feel like yeah. your business is in a good spot and it's just like over like having that self-mastery yeah. of yourself i mean it's tough because of course i want to hire more people because i know 
the value of the assets we have, like the community we have and the social media. It's like the assets are all there, but I've been having this frustrating feeling of, oh, I'm just missing something to get to that next accelerator phase. But the one thing I'm realizing, it's never going to be an instant bank. It's always going to be a compounding effect mm-hmm. of all the different little things that you do and improve on your business to get you to that, whether it's a million dollar mark or a $10 million mark. That's we should the thing. read this book called The Compounding Effect. Ooh, sounds Check good. Everything you do is not going to impact you right then and there, but yeah. it's going to feel it later on, right? It's just like, a, as you said, little moves, little moves, little like moves. add up to like bigger things, right? Yeah. But, uh, you know, we're out of time right now. Is there anything uh, you want to plug in? You know, where can they follow you, the brand? Ooh, yes. And uh, perhaps you can, you know, if you want to refer, like a referral code, perhaps you can put in there that I can plug in for you for the podcast. We can do that later on. But, yeah, you know, for sure. What they the can do with. is follow me personally on uh, Tomi Becca, T-O-M-I period B-E-C-C-A. Mm-hmm. I have a lot of exciting um, PR co- collaborations coming up. I'm partnering with Flare Magazine to do a takeover of their Instagram series. So you actually see a day b- uh, behind the scenes, a day in the life of a CEO, basically. What is it like to not have a typical 9 to 5 schedule? Yeah. And what do I actually do all day <laughs> if, our man- if I have outside source manufacturing and outsourced to a bunch of stuff what do i actually get done behind the scenes so please follow me tell me back tell me becca um the flare takeover will be happening this monday our cosmetics page is mfmg cosmetics we actually have a promotion running right now where if you buy a glitter palette you get a free lipstick but that would be while supplies last so hopefully by the time the podcast is up it's it's still running oh no it's still going it's still going so yeah that's all the things i have to plug okay for sure so it's been great having you today tommy and uh, we're going to be back next week again with another episode. And uh, it's been great having you. And I'm, I'm so happy we got this done. And we're definitely going to record another episode. Like, Oh, yeah. When you touch a million, You've encouraged like, you... me to start my podcast. I've been saying this. Don't we're, start. Me and my best friend are thinking of starting a podcast called Millennial Bosses. I cannot you can be wait. on it. Let me be the pilot episode. Yeah, (laughs) that'll be awesome. All right, I'm Owen Osinde. This is the Ecom Podcast, and we're going to talk to you guys next week. Peace out. This is the Hustle Boost. Today's message is staying the course. Sometimes you want to give up. You want to give in because things are getting difficult. It could be starting a new project. It could be beginning a new business or a new career. Making it on top is very hard. But the people who make it to the top are the people who stuck to the process. Sticking to the process is very hard because it takes a long, long time for you to become a master at your craft. But as true hustlers know, you got to stick it through and you got to battle through the rain, the snow, the hail, and eventually you're going to start seeing some sunshine, baby. So let's get it today. Let's stick the course. Let's keep believing, keep fighting for our dreams, and just know the success is right around the corner. Let's go.